If you would please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. If you need a copy of the scriptures, we encourage you to have it open in front of you. And there should be a Bible in the chairs or pews. And we're on page 866, working our way through John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, this Christmas season, this Advent season, what we call John's prologue, looking at this wonderful mystery and truth of the incarnation. As you're turning there, just want to make mention that uh, next Sunday, we will not have Sunday school, but have a a time for fellowship over in the Family Life Center uh, during the Sunday school hour. So we'd love to just visit and have that extended time with one another. Uh, We will continue to have two worship services through the holiday season, 8.30 and 11 a.m. on Sundays. But we invite you And we invite you to invite family and friends and neighbors to our Christmas Eve services. We will have two of them at 4 and 5.30. These are a wonderful time to just be together and worship uh, lessons and carols from the scriptures and really focus on worshiping Christ our Savior. So look forward to all of those many blessings and many opportunities coming up. Advent is about anticipation, anticipating. We are anticipating the coming of Christ. Of course, uh, Christ has already come when he was born in Bethlehem, when the Word was made flesh. And Christ will come again. As the Scriptures tell us, he will usher in the new heavens and the new earth at his second coming. And so we live in anticipation of that advent as well. And we're going to look at Christ's second advent in the two Sundays following uh, Christmas. So join us during those times. But as we work our way through John's prologue here in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, you can sense the anticipation is building, as John writes. A, A big reveal is coming, if you will. And in our passage today, verses 14 through 17, the Apostle John, he will name for us who this mysterious one is that he's been writing about, whom he calls the Word, the life and light of men, or the true light. So let's now read God's Word, hear now God's Word, His holy, inerrant, and authoritative Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, this was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can call you our Father. And as our Father, we thank you for your many good gifts. And chief among them is sending your one and only Son to be our Redeemer, our Savior. And gracious Father, we thank you also for the gift of your Word, the Holy Scriptures, 
Teach us by them. Help us to see your fullness. And may grace upon grace crash over us like the waves of the sea as we fix our eyes upon Jesus, our Savior, and our King. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. One of the great study Bibles that I would recommend to you if you're looking for any uh, last-minute Christmas gifts is the study Bible put out by Crossway Publishing Company called the ESV Gospel Transformation Study Bible. It's called the Gospel Transformation Study Bible. I love the way this study Bible describes these opening verses of John chapter 1. So in my study this week, I came across these words, and I want to share them with you. It said, the prologue of John's gospel is like the opening movement of a grand symphony. It is meant to grab our attention and draw us into the story, the story of all stories. The apostle sets the stage for the presentation of the gospel by highlighting the main plot line and the central themes of the entire Bible. In verses 1 through 4, we see creation. In verse 5, we see the fall. In verses 9 through 13, we see God's plan of redemption. And all this is pointing to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so at Christmas time, in this Advent season, it is good for us. It's a great time for us to pay careful attention to this symphony and to be reminded of this grand story that God has been writing since the foundation of the world. It's called the story of redemption. And so the Apostle John is going to continue this grand symphony in our passage today as Jesus burst onto the scene through the incarnation as he writes, the word became flesh. The word became flesh. The eternal word of God that John has been writing about here, he became flesh. The son of God was born. This is what we call the incarnation. God became a man. This one phrase, the word became flesh, has generated more ink and more pixels, or we could say, and more controversy than perhaps any other words written in the Bible. The word became flesh. And yet these words, that important phrase, it is the foundation of our faith. They are the reason for Christmas. It is why we say God is with us, Emmanuel. And so as we near the end of John, the Apostle John's prologue here in chapter 1, again, it's all building to this point where he says the Word became flesh, which he now names to be the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news, building and building in these opening words, and all of a sudden we see with absolute clarity who he is talking about. And I believe we are called to cry out, just like John the Baptist did later in this chapter in verse 29, where he says, 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's it. That is what we are to do here. In, this pa- in our passage today, we are to be like John the Baptist with that excitement, with that anticipation, with that focus to behold the Lamb of God. Now, why, do, why does John the Baptist call Jesus the Lamb of God? Well, he's making reference here to the Old Testament sacrifices when a, a spotless lamb, a perfect lamb, would be sacrificed for sin. And these sacrifices had to be performed over and over and over to atone for sin. But when John says the Lamb of God, he is referring to one sacrifice, one lamb, once and for all, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in our passage today, we are called, you and I are called to behold the Lamb of God. How are we to do that? There's three really important things that we need to see in this passage as we behold the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see first that God became a man. Secondly, God's glory has been revealed in this God-man. And thirdly, God's grace is magnified through this God-man. So let's look at those three things that we are to behold. The first, we behold God became a man. Look there in verse 14. We've already studied this cornerstone truth these past few Sundays, but we need to look at it and explore it even further in verse 14 when John says, the Word became flesh. The Word, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, He became flesh. This means that Christ took on a human nature, both body and And soul. God became a man. It's really important for us to understand, for us to affirm, for us to believe, for us to see that Christ did not just appear as a man, nor did he somehow download his deity into a human body. No, he became a person. He was born into the world just like every one of us. He was fully God and fully man. He was both at the same time. That is what we believe. That's what we affirm, that he is 100% God, 100% man, both bound up in one person. This is a beautiful mystery, and one of the best descriptions of this beautiful mystery is found in one of our confessional documents, the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 8, verse, verse, uh, chapter eight um, paragraph 2. It talks, the whole chapter talks about Christ, our mediator. And I want to read, if you'll bear with me for a minute, we'll read this paragraph. It says, the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary and of her substance, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God 
and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. All right. How would you have liked to have been on that committee to write that statement? (laughs) It's a lot of truth. That big, long theological sentence is what it takes to describe this beautiful mystery. If I could summarize it for you, Jesus is fully God and fully man. The Word became flesh. And this beautiful mystery of the incarnation is our hope at Christmas time. It is why we worship, it is why we celebrate. The Word became flesh. But that John has more to tell us about God becoming man, he says in verse 14 that this God-man dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word, dwelt, is a very fascinating word, especially in the original language that appears in in Greek. If we were to translate it literally, it would read tabernacled or to dwell in a tent. And so that might kind of read funny in our English Bibles, right? The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. What does that mean? Well, this is telling us about a story and about a truth from the Old Testament. The people of God were instructed uh, through Moses and the Levites to construct a type of tent. And this tent, uh, Yahweh God told the people that had to be very exact dimensions, and it was to be used to worship the Lord God Almighty. This tent was called the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the visible reminder that God's presence was with his people. Even more so, the tabernacle was the place where the glory cloud of God by day and the pillar of fire by night would reside with God's people as a visible reminder, as a visible presence that he was with his people. And so the Apostle John is very deliberately using this word so that our minds would be drawn back to the Old Testament tabernacle that traveled with God's people everywhere. Because what he wants us to see is that Jesus is that tabernacle. He has tabernacled with his people as the word of God made flesh. Jesus is always with his people. The word dwelt with us, he says. And that's why we can say Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's amazing. All glory be to God. We should behold the glory of God in this truth. But moving on, a second thing that we are to behold in this passage, in these truths, is that God's glory has been revealed through this God-man. God's glory has been revealed through this God-man. In Christ, the invisible God has been made visible. The apostle records for us that we have seen his glory. The one who tabernacled among us is the one whose glory, whose brightness, whose radiance has been revealed to the people. And among the many things that the apostle wants us to know, chief among them is 
the objective fact that God became a man and his name was Jesus. He lived on the earth for 33 years. He performed glorious signs and wonders during his lifetime. This is important because this is not some vision or dream that John or any person just imagined and wrote it down. John is recording for us what he saw with his own two eyes. We have eyewitness testimony here in John's gospel. And so it's important for us to remember, brothers and sisters, that that our faith, that Christianity is grounded in real historical events. Jesus really was God who was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He turned water into wine. He healed a blind man. He raised the dead man Lazarus to life. And he himself died and rose again and appeared to over 500 witnesses. These are not myths or stories or hallucinations, but real and powerful and mighty acts of God in history just a little under 2,000 years ago. And all of that is wrapped up in John's little statement here. We have seen his glory. And once again, John says that he wrote these things down. These things are recorded for us. They are written down for us for one primary purpose, so that the whole world might know and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the Son of God, the Messiah, and have life in his name. But what about me and you, brothers and sisters? We're not walking this earth now with Jesus. We don't see him face to face. How do we behold his glory? What does it look like for me and you to behold his glory if we do not see Jesus now? He's ascended into heaven. We now behold the glory of God through the words of Scripture. We behold the glory of God in the Word of God. The Holy Scriptures, the recorded truth about the Lord Jesus. This is why we spend so much of our time every Lord's Day in the Scriptures, in our Bibles. The Scriptures are where we go to behold the glory of God, to meditate on His glory, to sing about His glory, to pray about His glory. And it is through all of these things that we see Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Please with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. So let me encourage you. Let me help you. If you're struggling to really focus on the Lord, if you feel like you have no relationship with the Lord, Maybe you're a child here today and and you want to know Jesus and love him and learn more about him. Perhaps you could start by reading John's gospel. Maybe one chapter a day. Children, maybe you could read it with your parents. And pray this simple prayer as you read through the gospel of John. Pray, God, show me Jesus. 
Help me to behold his glory. Help me to see his glory. Finally, we behold God's glory. We behold this one whom John writes about. We behold God's grace being magnified through the God-man. And that's in verses 16 through 17. John records, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. There is an infinite fullness in the Lord Jesus Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of God, Paul records. J.C. Ryle said, there is laid up upon him as in a treasury a boundless supply of all that any sinner can need, either in time or eternity. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. John very poetically describes the grace of God coming to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as grace upon grace has come upon us. One commentator says this evokes the images of, of, of the waves of the sea rolling gently over us again and again. Grace upon grace, God repeatedly bestowing his gifts and his goodness upon us through Christ. It is from the fullness of Christ that we receive grace upon grace. In other words, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that, that fills us and fulfills us. So that begs a question for you right now. Do you feel fulfilled? Does your life feel empty right now? Does it feel pointless? Do you feel like that no matter how much you do or how much you get, you're never full? There's not much meaning. You feel empty. Could it be that there's simply not enough Jesus in your life? That you are looking for things from the world? that you're looking for relationships, that you're looking for stuff, you're looking for meaning, and all these things to try to fill you when only Jesus can do that. He is the one who has given us grace upon grace. The Lord Jesus is not just some famous person that you meet once. It's not somebody you ran into in a shopping mall and you constantly tell this story over and over. I met this famous person one time. He is someone that we know and experience every single day. He is the one whom we will spend eternity with. John says grace and truth are experienced in the Lord Jesus. We need him every day. Every Christmas, I make it a point to spend time to studying and reflecting on the, on the Gospels, particularly the, the, the miracles of the Incarnation, and love to preach these truths to you. And a big help to me in my study and meditation is J.C. Ryle. And so I want to paraphrase some of his meditations on this passage, and I hope that it will help you focus and worship Christ and behold his glory as we reflect on these truths.
after reading this passage and meditating on these truths, he says, we can never give too much glory and honor to Christ. We can never give too much glory and honor to Christ. We can never think too highly of who he is and what he has done for us. May God help us to to banish every unworthy thoughts from our minds whenever we think less of Christ. May God help us to learn to exalt Christ more in our hearts and rest our souls in his hands. Whenever we are confused about who God is and how we find him, may we seek Christ who is the meeting point between the Holy Trinity and the sinner's soul. Christ is the meeting point between the Holy God and us, the sinner. Ryle said again that the incarnation, the union of the two natures in Christ, one person, is doubtless one of the greatest mysteries of the Christian religion. And I would add, it's also the most wonderful God is with us. He loved us. He sent his one and only son, born into this world for us. And that's what this table before us means. It's a means of grace. It's a visible and tangible reminder that God wants us to taste and to see and to remember the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. And he invites us to dine with him. Jesus is our Emmanuel. The light and life of men. Merry Christmas everyone. Let's pray and prepare for this supper. Oh Lord as we were just instructed. May we never get tired of knowing Christ and of meditating on him, worshiping him, and giving him all the glory and the honor. Uh, Forgive us where we have thought less of who he is and what he has done, and remind us every day of his grace and goodness to us. Thank you in your word, through your word. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have received grace upon grace, wave after wave of your goodness pouring over us. Thank you that the Lord Jesus was born and that he died. Thank you for this beautiful mystery of the incarnation that is our hope here at Christmas time. That grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us now to behold that glory. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.